Well, man, it's good to be here this evening, and uh, I'm excited to be with you tonight. I'm excited to be in the area. Um, I love this cold weather, by the way. It don't bother me one lick. I, uh, I always joke with my wife. My wife hates cold weather, um, but I absolutely love it. I think that if, uh, if it wouldn't be for my wife, God would have called me to preach in Michigan or North Dakota or something. But uh, she says no way to that. Uh, man, I want to thank you so much for having me here tonight. I appreciate uh, what your pastor's doing. I appreciate seeing some of my church members here tonight. They came out to support, and I appreciate that. I uh, told them this morning, I said it'd be nice to see a few familiar faces because I'm not going to know anybody uh, when I get there. But little did I know that I'd meet a fellow Golden Triangle uh, uh, person here with your pastor. So um, uh, what a good thing. You know, we sang that song. We sang, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And uh, I wonder tonight, can you claim that? Are you redeemed? Have you been bought by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ? And uh, if, that's your, if that's your promise that you cling to and you hold on to, I wonder how many people you know that don't. And I'm going to preach a message to you tonight. I'm going to try to preach fast so you listen fast. And, uh, and we'll get through this. But I'm going to talk to you tonight about planning for a great commission year. Um, because as we are focusing on 2022 and looking at what God wants us to do in the year to come, uh, I promise you that one thing, if you don't know what God's will for your life this year is, I promise you it's God's will for you to share the gospel with somebody. Um, we are in a broken world. Uh, our world is hurting. Um, it is in need of a Savior um, as much now as ever before. And they need, what this world needs, is it needs a group of Christians who will be faithful to get out and preach the gospel, the only thing that will cure this world. I'll go ahead and help you. It doesn't matter uh, what happens in Washington. It doesn't matter what happens in Austin. It doesn't matter what happens at the city capitals. And the, the, what matters is who sits on the throne and if we're proclaiming His name to the lost and dying world tonight. So if you'll take your Bibles with me tonight, we're going to go to Matthew chapter number 28. It's a passage we should all know. It's a passage every one of us should, should have uh, ascribed to our memories, uh, live in our hearts. We should all walk daily because it is, it is the one command that as Jesus, I told this to my church this morning, as Jesus was getting ready to ascend to heaven, and he thought to himself, I've got to give my disciples one last thing. One last command, we're going to read exactly what that command that Jesus gave them was in Matthew chapter number 28, beginning in verse number 16. I'll invite you to stand with me as we read the Word of God tonight. Matthew chapter number 28, beginning in verse number 16. Thank you, church, also for that wonderful meal and for those who prepared it. Uh, that was such a, such a blessing as well. And thank you again, Pastor Hunt, for the invitation to be here tonight. Uh, beginning in verse number 16, the Bible says, The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw Him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And God, what we need tonight is a manifest presence of the Holy Spirit of God in this place. God, I can stand here all night and preach and speak and do, and I know my brother that will come after me and do the same thing. But God, if we do it without the power of the Holy Spirit, we are just talking. God, we are doing nothing tonight, Father, because all good comes from you. 
But God, I pray tonight that as we look into 2022, Father and Lord, not knowing what it's going to bring, not knowing what is in store for us, God, that you would give us a passion for the lost. God, you would give us a desire to share the gospel like we've never had before. And Father, I pray that we would begin to prepare, even tonight, Lord, for what it means to have a great commission year. And God, I pray that if by some chance there's somebody here tonight that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, God, that before they leave, they'd find Brother Hunt or one of these brother evangelists to come see myself or somebody in this church that can take the Word of God and open it up and show them how they can know for sure that when they die, they'll step off into the eternal glories of heaven. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated this evening. Preparing for a great commission year. We love to plan. Right? We love to play. It's, it's New Year's, right? We've, we're January the 2nd, 2022 already. And some of you have already begun to, uh, to plan things that you've got coming up. Some of you are, are good enough at planning ahead that you've already got your vacations planned for the year. Uh, some of you maybe have your work week planned if you're lucky. If you're like me, I kind of have part of tomorrow planned. But we like to make plans. We like to prepare for things. We like to look at things. A lot of you pastors may have a sermon calendar somewhat prepared. I try to plan out a calendar and leave a whole lot of room for the Holy Spirit because as I'm sure some of you guys know, you walk up here with that planned, prepared message and God says, no, you ain't preaching that today. And uh, been there, done that, and got a t-shirt. Uh, but I want to unpack a little bit of what's going on here in the verses leading up to Jesus giving the command to go. All right, so he is risen back in verse number seven. And he tells Mary and Mary, the angel tells Mary and Mary that, that Jesus has gone ahead of them into Galilee. And he's going there and he's going to be there for all of them to see. So the disciples begin to gather, right? They all come in there. And, and I believe it's interesting to note that while all these disciples are gathering, they're getting there because they want to see Jesus, right? They're, they're expecting Jesus to show up. Paul indicates later in Corinthians that there were some 500 people present during this, this last moment of Jesus being seen. But did you know that they weren't all there expecting to see Jesus? Some of them were there, and they were of that, I just don't believe it mentality, brother. I just, I just, mm, I just can't believe it. I mean, I saw him hanging on the cross. I just don't believe it, so I got to show up, right? There were some doubting Thomases there. We all know a person like that. Uh, whenever you tell them God showed up and did something, they say, well, did he really or was it the doctors? Uh, did, did he really or was it somebody just had some money that gave something? Hey, no, friend, my God steps up and stands up whenever things need to happen. But there were some there that doubted. They got there. That Greek word that is used for doubt in verse 17 is detazo. And it's the same verb that is used to describe Peter's lack of faith as he was standing on the water with Jesus and began to sink. So it's not that they, that they did not believe that Jesus could be raised. It's more that they were, they were hesitant. They said, I just don't know. I, I, I got a little doubt here. I wonder how many of us tonight would be honest and say that we have been in a place of hesitancy uh, over the last couple of years with pandemics rising and, and all the unknowns that we've had. Uh, man, congratulations for making it through two or three of the weirdest years we've ever lived in uh, in my generation. But praise God, we're still pressing on. Amen. But I wonder how many of us have some hesitancy. Now, I wonder how many here tonight, and I don't think it'd be many, would, would say that I hesitate to believe that God's still in the business of saving souls. Right? No, I don't think any of us would say that, right? We'd never say that with our mouth because in our, in our heart we believe that God's still saving souls left and right. But does our life speak it? Does our life say that I believe that Jesus still saves? Does our lives say that I believe that if I share the gospel with somebody, 
They're going to come to know Jesus. They have that opportunity. You say, Pastor, I, I believe it, man. I, I, I believe that we can. Well, let me ask you this. Who'd you evangelize today? Who'd you share the gospel with this afternoon? It's Sunday. It's God's day. I bet some of you went out to eat at a restaurant today. Did you share the gospel with your waitress? Did you share the gospel with the person taking your, your money at the, at the restaurant? Who'd you share the gospel with? You see, we have to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We've got to be faithful to walk. I was listening to a podcast, and I'm going to jump ahead of myself here. But I was listening to a podcast the other day, and uh, Pastor Robbie Gallaty from Long Hollow made the statement. He said, we've got to be engaged with the Word of God. And that being engaged means allowing the Word of God to dictate the direction of your life. And that is what we've got to do. So uh, we've got to live in a way that tells the world we have started believing again that God is ready to change millions of lives. How do we do this? We do this by planning. So again, you've started filling up your calendars. You, 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 you believe in planning. There's a lot of quotes out there about planning, right? One who fails to plan, plans to fail, right? A goal without a plan is just a wish, okay? It takes just as much energy to wish as it does to plan. I like this one. Someone said, planning is bringing the future into the present so that you can do something about it now. I like that. So I'm going to share with you a few of my goals for 2022. I plan to memorize more scripture than I've memorized in the past. I've got a plan for that. It's right here on this device of mine. It's got a little thing. And my watch, it tells me, hey, you haven't practiced your memory verses for the day. I plan to engage with my Bible more. Not just read it, not just study it, but engage with the Word of God. I've got a plan for that. I've got a schedule laid out for that. But more than anything, I want to share the gospel with more people in 2022 than I ever have before. And I want to come alongside the ones who put their trust in Jesus. I want to be a disciple maker this year. And so what I want to do tonight, if I can, is I want to share with you three tactics that I'm going to employ and that I think you too can employ if you want to have a great commission year. Number one, you pray intentionally for gospel conversations. You pray intentionally for gospel conversations. The Bible talks there in, in Jesus' commission. He says, go therefore and make. So go and make. This portion of scripture, this commission implies that we are on purpose going out and seeking opportunities to share the gospel with people. It's not just something accidental. Listen, if you're not finding opportunities to share Christ, it's not because they're not out there. It's because you're not intentionally seeking them. It's because you're not asking God, Lord, put somebody in front of me that needs to know about your son, that needs to hear about the Savior. Listen, the Bible says in John chapter 4, verse 35, don't you say there are still four more months, then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes, look at the fields, because they are white under harvest. But what's the problem? Jesus gave the problem in Matthew 9, 37. He said to the disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. So the problem is that the, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few, the workers are few. We, you and I, who are bought by the blood of Jesus tonight, we are the laborers. I want you to understand this and hear what Jesus did not say. He did not say that there was not enough people to do the job. He said there was not enough people doing the job. Uh -oh. He's got enough people on this earth to do the job. We're just sitting down. We're not doing the job. We're not going out being faithful with the gospel, with the thing that Jesus entrusted with us. You know, if he didn't want me to do it, he'd have took me home the moment I trusted him. I used to always wonder that, brother. Why, why didn't God just take me out of this wretched world when I trusted Christ? Well, because he's got a job for me. 
And he's got a job for you, and that job is to share the word with people. The reason that people are dying and going to hell at such an alarming rate is not because there's not enough Christians to share the gospel. It's because there's not enough Christians sharing the gospel. Over 8,000 people die every day in the United States of America. Over 150,000 daily in the world. I would tell you that a lot of those people... I'd say well over 50% are stepping off into eternity, opening up their eyes in torment, as the Bible says, because we're not being faithful with what He gave us. Well, Pastor, I'm just waiting for the right person to show up in my life so I can share the gospel with them. Is there a wrong one? The person that you uh, check, the, check out at Walmart, is that the wrong one? They don't need to go to heaven, I guess, brother. That, that person that brought you your dinner today, they didn't need to go to heaven. They didn't need, some, God will bring you somebody that does, but those people didn't need to go to heaven. You see, we pick and choose when we're comfortable. When the conversation lends itself to a comfortable gospel conversation, we'll share the gospel. But I'll be honest with you, I've never one time felt it comfortable to tell somebody we're going to hell. <laughs> I've, never, I've never told somebody, hey, you're going to die and go to hell without Jesus. And them go, well, thank you so much for telling me. I've never had that moment. They've always been like, who do you think you are? I said, well, I'm just a child of the true king giving you the message you need to hear. I'm sharing the fact that without Jesus, there is no hope for you. You see, every person is the right one. You're not going to find yourself in a Philip moment very often. You might, every once in a while, my wife and I got to experience one random Philip moment where somebody came to us and said, what must I do to be saved? It was a little girl. She came running down the road. My wife and I were walking, and this little girl comes running up. She was from our church down there, and she says, Brother Murray, Brother Murray, Brother Murray. I said, yes, sweetie, what you got? She said, I want to get baptized. I said, well, all right, sweetie, well, let's talk. Is, is Mama home? Yes, sir, she's home. Well, let's go back and talk to Mama. And so we went back, and, and we talked to Mama, and she says, Mama, I want to get baptized. And I said, well, baby, do you understand what being baptized is? Yes, sir, I want to go to heaven. I said, okay, now Brother Murray understands. Well, let's talk for a minute. And right there in her yard, we had the opportunity to lead this young lady to Christ. And that was just an awesome thing uh, that we had to do. But those moments aren't going to come very often. See, I'm currently on, working on my MDiv in evangelism through Southwestern under Dr. Matt Queen. And um, in one of his books and in one of his lectures, Book Everyday Evangelism, he quotes Paige Patterson. And he quotes him to say this about the soul winner's prayer, that we ought to all incorporate this prayer into our lives daily. Dear God, give me the opportunity to share the gospel today. When it happens, help me recognize it. And when I recognize it, give me the courage to proceed to evangelize. Dr. Queen continued on to say, Although the prayer itself will not guarantee an evangelism that works, who could doubt that a believer genuinely and daily asking God for an opportunity to evangelize, uh, number two, the recognition of that opportunity, and number three, the courage to act would not work at their evangelism. You see, we've got to be intentional when we pray to God about giving us gospel opportunities. If you want to evangelize, you need to engage in evangelistic conversations. You will never win an evangelistic conversation that you don't have. You can't do it. Number two this evening, study intently with evangelistic zeal. Now, what do you mean, study with evangelistic zeal? Well, Jesus said in His commission, teaching them to observe... So part of our responsibility in the Great Commission is not just winning them, it's teaching them. The ones who trust Him, we come alongside and we teach them. And so teaching them to observe, and here's the question, how are we going to teach what we don't know? 
How are we going to say, uh, how are we going to take what, what's in this book and share it with somebody if I don't know what's in this book? One of the things that, uh, that Pastor Robbie Gallaty said in that podcast was the reason that most Christians do not share their faith is because they're drawing from an empty well. And there's so much truth in that. Because what a lot of us do, right, we get our, we get our little bookmark and we put it at the front of our book and it's got all the little boxes to read through your Bible in a year. And so what do we do? we got to make sure we get that done. So we rush through our Bible reading because we think that we've accomplished something by skimming through the words of the Bible every year. You would do so much better to say, God, I'm getting into the book of John this year and I'm not getting out till you show me everything I need to know from that book. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to read Matthew. I'm not going to read Genesis till God, you show me what I need from the book of John. I'm talking about engage with Scripture, study it, beg God to show you what's going on. I'm a busy pastor, as I'm sure some of y'all are. Stay, stay busy in the ministry. Some of you gentlemen, stay busy in ministry. With all the responsibility I have of being a pastor, being a dad, being a husband, it's very easy to let seminary slide to the back. <clears throat> right? I get these classes and I can, you know, I, if I, as long as I pass that test is my thing. But I knew that I had to have something to hold me accountable. So what did I do? I began teaching one of my seminary classes to my Wednesday night Bible study back in Coleman Hill. Whatever I was learning on Monday, I was teaching on Wednesday. Because they say the best way to learn something is to teach it to somebody else. Now what if we take that and we apply that to Scripture? See, that's what I mean when I say study intently with evangelistic zeal. When I, when I get ready to study the Word of God, what I'm doing this year is I'm praying. I'm saying, God, help me take whatever you teach me today and find somebody else to teach it to. And then here's what I do. I'm going to watch this. Then I back up to that prayer and I'll say, and also, Lord, allow that conversation to become a gospel conversation. And so now I'm studying intently with evangelistic zeal and I'm seeking out that gospel conversation as I go forward. Um, again... Y'all are going to have to just hang with me. I love Pastor Robbie Galley. Me and him, we, uh, we go way back in our podcast listening. Uh, he doesn't know me from Adam, but I love his podcast. Um, so as I'm, as I'm thinking about this, you know, Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, right? We have the, this job of rightly dividing the word of truth. So Pastor Robbie Galley at Long Hollow was talking about this, and he's talking about this Bible engagement, and he says, this is the most important lead measure to spiritual growth. It's more important, now hear this, it's more important than prayer. It's more important than evangelism. It's more important than scripture memory. It's more important than fasting. It's more important than all this. Now, not that it's more important in the grand scheme of things. It's more important for your spiritual growth, engaging with scripture. And this was a, this was a study that was done by Lifeway over a 10-year period. And he said the reason they came to this conclusion was because people who engaged Remember, let the word dictate the direction of their life. People who engaged with the Bible prayed more. They fasted more. They evangelized more. They worshiped more. They served more. Why? Because the more you get into the word of God, the more the word of God gets into you. And the more you're in the word of God, the closer you are to him, the better your relationship is with him. And the better your relationship is with him, the more you want to serve him. Do you know why Mary Magdalene was so close to Jesus her whole life? Because he took seven demons out of her. Okay, she looked back and said, I know where he took me from. I want to go wherever this man goes. The closer you get to him, the more you're going to want to do for him. The reason that we are not doing more for God is because we are not engaging with Scripture. We're skimming it. We're reading it. We're rushing through. We're doing a little, a brief five, ten minute devotional in the morning. Those are good. I'm not saying don't do them. But I'm saying set aside 
unhurried time with the Lord where you just sit down and it's just you and God and you say, God, I need something from you today. I need to learn something from you. I need you to show me something today, Lord. I've gotten to a place where I study the Bible and I ask God, help me, help me do this intently, Lord. And lastly, this, this evening, I'm going to give you this. Start internally with your family and your friends. Going back to the text in Matthew where Jesus told the disciples that the laborers are few. Let me ask you this question tonight. You probably know somebody that's lost, either a family member or a friend. If you don't win them, who will? Because as we talked about earlier, right, there's not enough Christians out doing the job of sharing the gospel. So are you ready to walk through life thinking somebody will come alongside your wife? Somebody will come alongside your husband or your child or your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister and they will share the gospel with them and they will win them to Christ. Somebody will come alongside your coworker, your boss, that, that friend that you've had your whole life. Somebody will come alongside them and somebody will tell them about Jesus and they'll get saved. You're willing to take the chance that that'll, that that'll happen and that you won't be like that rich man who lifted up his eyes in torment saying, Father Abraham, send somebody to my brother's. Just send somebody to warn them and tell them. And Abraham said, well, they've got, they've got the prophets. They got this one. The, the one is already raised from the dead. They'll not believe if I go. Is that where you want to be one day? Wondering, maybe, thinking. I'm so glad. My, uh, my, my stepmother's a Jehovah's Witness. Um, y'all pray for her. She, uh, she's not safe. My kids pray for her all the time. Um, but I had the blessing. By the, I thank God so much for this. I had the blessing of, of leading my dad to Christ over the phone uh, when I was in my first pastorate. And uh, I can't tell you the value of having that. It was a weird conversation, okay? My dad knows me. My dad knows the snot-nosed brat that I was raised up. Listen, if y'all knew who I was about, what, 20, 15 years ago? About 15 years ago, 18, 20? So. I'm old. Thanks, I'm not asking you any more questions, wife. Um, if y'all knew who I was about 20 years ago... Y'all wouldn't even want me in this pulpit, brother. I'm talking about when God reached down from heaven, He reached down and He kept reaching and He kept reaching. And He said, my goodness, Murray, come on now. And He, kept re- and he finally grabbed me and He jerked me up out of some nasty stuff. Hey, listen, I was, I was an alcoholic by the time I was 14 years old. 14 years old, I could drink a fifth of whiskey right past you. You'd have never known it for anything in the world. But my family knew who I was. That's right. It might mean for some awkward conversations. It was weird with my dad. Dad, you're going to go to hell if you die without Christ. I couldn't take the chance of, of not knowing whether my daddy was going to be in heaven one day or not. Amen. Nothing. Let me tell you this. <clears throat> it's exciting when you get the opportunity to see somebody give their life to Christ um, at a restaurant or at a door when you're knocking. Uh, all these things. But a lot of times you don't get to watch their spiritual growth. You don't get to see them get into church and you don't get to see them grow up and, and see the, the Christian they mature into. <clears throat> you don't get to see or be a part of all of that and because maybe they go to a different church or from a different area. But friend, nothing will encourage you like watching one of your children or watching your brother or your spouse or somebody catch the fire of the Holy Spirit of God and begin the process of growing in grace and sharing the gospel. We were sitting at the house the other day. We just moved in this rent house a week and a half ago and uh, we got a little boy who lives across the street from us, Josiah. And Josiah I came over to the house and uh, he was playing with my son Eric and they were sitting at the uh, at the kitchen table my wife had made him some lunch and Josiah uh, says to Eric because he's in a preacher's home it's the right thing to say he says I think I'm gonna get baptized soon Eric have you ever been baptized 
And Eric says, yeah, I've been baptized. And Joe says, well, I think I'm going to get baptized Saturday. And I was like, well, that's interesting because I, don't, I know where they go to church. They don't go to a Seventh-day Adventist church. So I know that wasn't the case here. And so I'm just listening. I ain't, I'm not interjecting because my son's going to take his hold his own. He's 10 years old. And he says, well, well, he says, well Josiah, have, have you ever been saved? And Josiah says, well, well no, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get baptized Saturday. And my son says, well, Josiah, that, that won't save you. That just shows the world that you've been saved. That just, that's just a picture to the world. He, he said, you, you got it. And he, he's trying to show the God. And Josiah's like, all right, let's take it right. And Josiah jumped off on a whole other trail. But as I sat there, man, I was bursting with pride as my little boy was doing his best to try to win his friend of Jesus. I've got my, my daughter, Ava. She's sitting somewhere out here. Some, there she is. She's back there waving her hand. She doesn't found somebody else to sit with. Uh, she came home from school one day, and she said to me, Hey, there's Dustin. You want to run a race again today, brother? No, you're good. You're good today. I got, I got Dustin to run a race with me this morning. It was good fun. My daughter comes to me, and she says to me one day after school, she says, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. I said, What, baby? She said, I got to lead my entire lunch table to Jesus today. She said, There was like six or seven girls around, and I got to tell them that they needed to, to, to trust Jesus as their Savior, and they needed to pray, and I prayed with them, and they all prayed with me. Now, I'm here today. Did they all trust and, and move? I don't know, but I know she was faithful to share the gospel, and that's all I cared about. That's what matters. My oldest daughter, y'all won't believe me today, but she's 19. Bless her heart. Uh, she's a senior, uh, a senior. She's not a senior. She's a sophomore at Stephen F. Austin University. Uh, right after I got saved at Viverty Baptist Church, we were doing vacation Bible school there, and I was the volunteer children's pastor. And uh, we had VBS going, and there was a little girl uh, lived across the street, one house up from us. And I can't remember her name for nothing in the world, but Diane? Diane. I knew my wife. My wife remembers names. So uh, Diane. I said I wasn't asking you nothing else. But uh, so Diane, so Aunt Michaela goes over to Diane's house and knocks and says, Diane, will you come to va vacation Bible school with me? And Diane comes to vacation Bible school with her. And, and later that night, Michaela comes running up to me, and she says, Daddy, 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 Diane got saved tonight. Because she was faithful to go bring her friend. You see, whenever you win your family, whenever you start with those closest to you, that becomes an encouragement for you to get outside of your family and go tell others because you begin watching what God can do in the life of those who trust in Him. We have got to get to a place where we are winning people, but it's got to start in our Jerusalem, our own family. You don't have the confidence in the status of your family's salvation and I think the first thing you ought to do when you leave this place tonight is make a phone call or a visit and say, hey, do you know Jesus? Listen, i got to ask you, do you, if you were to die today, do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? I'd get that squared away. Uh, nothing. And by the way, don't take anything short of hearing their personal salvation testimony. Don't just take yes. Oh, yeah, I'm saved. How do you know? How do you know you're going to heaven when you die? And you listen for them to tell you that they've given their life to the only one that can save them, Jesus. I'm going to close tonight by reminding you of one more story that you all know so well. Luke chapter number 5, we're told the story of some friends who are carrying a paralyzed buddy of theirs. And then they got this buddy on a stretcher and they're walking because they heard and they believed what Jesus could do for their friend. And so they got there and man, they're, they're carrying that stretcher and they're coming in and they're walking around and they're looking and there's crowds everywhere and they, they can see Jesus is in the house but they cannot get close. And they said, man, what are we going to do? We know that he can heal our buddy, man. We, we want to get this guy right. We want to get him fixed. I know Jesus can heal him. What do we do? And so what did they do? Whatever it took. They looked up and they said, 
Listen, if we try hard enough, we can get him up on top of that roof. We can take that roof off and we can let him down through that roof. We can give him where he needs to be. And so what, that's exactly what they did. They climbed up on top of that roof. They determined that there was not a price that they were not willing to pay. Because all they knew was that there was a man who could heal their friend. And they had to get him in the presence of him. So I want to encourage you tonight. There's a man that can heal your family. There's a man that can heal your friends. There's a man that can heal your, your co-workers, the ones, and I'm talking about the ones with the foulest language to the ones that, that show up to church every week. There's a man that can take them from lost to saved, from death to life, but we have got to get them in his presence. By the way, it's a lot harder to get them in his presence here than it is for you to get them in his presence out there. No, it is, because it's hard to get the world to want to come to church, right? Now, it's good. I don't mean that. Don't invite your friends. Try to get them here. I encourage my church today, everybody bring one person with you next Sunday. Watch what God does if you just bring one person to church with you next Sunday. But our job, it's a whole lot easier to bring Jesus to them than it is a lot of times to bring them into the church house, right? Because I can bring Jesus with me. He said in the book of Joshua, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That means when I go, he comes with me. And so when I go to their place, when I go to their house, I'm bringing Jesus with me. Would we be faithful to pray? What this world needs is to have Christians who are determined to have a great commission year this year. Will you join me in praying for intentional gospel conversations and studying intently with evangelistic zeal and starting internally by witnessing to your friends and your family? Every head bowed and eye closed. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father God, Lord, we need again, Lord, more than anything else in this world, we need the saving grace of Jesus in our lives. Father, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to embolden us, to give us the courage, Lord, the passion, Lord, to go out and to share the gospel. Father, to tell those who don't know the Savior that there's one who lived for them and died for them, and if they would simply give their life to Him, He's ready to save them. Father, but God, to do that, we need Your boldness. We can't do it in our own, Father. We'll change the conversation to the weather or the sports or anything else. <clears throat> God, we need you to give us that passion. We need you to give us that courage. So, Father, here tonight, Lord, as we are gathered as a group of believers, Father, I pray that you would give that passion. But, Lord, I'd be remiss to not pray for the one who may be here tonight. Lord, who's maybe been coming to this church for 30 or 40 years trusting in something other than Jesus as their Savior. Father, if there's one of those here tonight, God, would you convict their heart? Lord, bring them to a realization that nothing short of the blood of Jesus will save them. Father, would you do it? We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.